You're listening to Linked AM. Tell your story on Linked Live and get noticed. You're listening to Carl Wolfenden on the Business Class Show and is not always affiliated with the guests and the topics discussed. Any financial statements are the opinions of the individual and you should seek professional advice before making any decisions. Upgrade your listening to Business Class, the show that puts you in the big leather comfy seats. So sit back and enjoy our take on the trending business issues of the week. Howdy, folks. Here he is, the Texas Brit, the guy with the stiff upper lip, filling his 10-gallon hat and his cowboy boots, Carl Wolfenden. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Channel Talk 101, and uh, thanks for tuning back in, because uh, we've been having some great conversations over the past few uh, few weeks as such and i can't believe it's uh, it's actually february now oh my goodness uh, and it's getting colder here in texas yes we do get cold weather anyway um one of the things that we've been talking about is how do you motivate and stimulate channel sales and um you know we, i've had my friends on over from uh, uh, channel assist uh, joining me, of course, Richard Stevens, who's the president over there. He joined me a couple of times. We had some great conversations about you know, motivation, about keeping up the momentum as such. But one of the things that uh, is always, always brought up is how do I you know, motivate my um, not-so-well-performing not uh, partners as such uh, in the sales channel? You know, so I was asking Richard, and he said, well, you've got to think about it of a different way. And you actually said, Richard, Richard's joining me here now in the virtual studio. You, you, you gave it sort of a, a little bit of a, a sort of a scenario, didn't you? What did you say? It was a long tail? Uh, explain a little bit more. And it's called the channel long tail. And it's a shape, like a, it's a long tail. That's, a, you know, a, t- a tail on a dog or a dinosaur. Um, and every company has their high performers, and they also have their people that aren't performing as well as they'd like, uh, either partners or reps. And, you know, it's like getting your buddies to sell for you. You know, we all have a couple of buddies, and they sell for us, and they do a great job. And, well, who do you want to talk to? Well, I want to talk to my buddy. So they, they're going to maximize out at some point in time. So the, the top performers, um, you know, they may get the occasional deal that sells more than they have in the past, but at some point in time, they're going to max out. And it's easy to work with them because they like you and they're comfortable selling to you. But what do you do when they max out? It's like having a direct sales force. It's a fixed number. So when you sign all of these partners, you want to sign them to get the most out of all of the opportunities. Um, you know, so you take the 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 the, the the timeline associated with growing your channel, you sign one partner and they do a great job for you. So you think, well, we'll sign more partners. So you sign a couple more partners and they're doing a great job. Oh, you know what? I've got five partners that are doing great. Let's sign more. But over time, you can't spend the time you want with all of those partners. So you're going to have the law of diminished returns. And what's going to happen is so those, some, a lot of those partners aren't going to perform the way you want. Why? Because you can't spend the time with them that, you, that they need or that, that they want. 
And well, the fact is you signed them so that you didn't have to spend time with them. So what ends up happening is they end up going, well, they follow the, the next sparkly thing. So, you know, when you first sign them, you're the sparkly thing. But then over time, there's another sparkly thing. And they go chase that. And well, unfortunately, sales organizations, just like salespeople, are like squirrels. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a dog. And it, it, you get their attention. And the job is to engage them so they continually sell. But that's so hard. So the reason you need to engage all of your channel, all of the, the partners, all of the reps, well, to do what you originally wanted, and that is to grow at a rate that a direct sales force wouldn't allow you to grow. And if you're only focusing on that small group, well, you've got a, still that direct sales force. The, the, you know, the 25 direct salespeople you have are still now, okay, maybe now there's 75, but they're not the thousand you really want and need to scale. And so that's what companies struggle with. And every single company struggles with it. I've talked to over 250 executives around channel and every single person without fail says, how do you know this about us? Well, I know it because everybody has the same problem. There's nothing different than anybody else. It doesn't matter what you sell. You all suffer from the channel long tail. My job is to help. So what I'm hearing is that, you know, sometimes when you look at all of those uh, the, the the multiple partners that you brought on, et cetera, and you look at go, oh my goodness, they're the bottom performers, et cetera. Um, but the bottom performers in your channel may be the top performers in somebody else's channel because and selling their product really good. Be I mean, so you've got to really take that into consideration, haven't you? Yeah, you know, people people think that sales to channel sales, well, it's not real sales or it's not direct sales. Well, it's, it is absolutely direct sales. I believe we talked about this before. The hardest, it's, if I had to sell to two groups of people, customers or sales channel, which is more difficult? Well, they both are challenging, but for different reasons. Typically, when you sell to a customer, you're not changing that customer's organization forever. Right? You're influencing their organization and you're making a modification in their organization, but that decision isn't going to necessarily reduce the revenue by a significant amount or grow the revenue by a significant amount. There's going to be an ROI and it's going to be compelling. But when you sell to a sales channel, to a partner, you're changing their business. Now, depending on the size of the partner, but the fact is they are looking to generate revenue through the sale of your product. You can't be looking to displace revenue. So let's say, for example, you sell pens, all right? Well, if you're going to sell a pen to replace another pen, why would they, why would they sign up? Because it's, you're, not, you're just displacing revenue. They want to sell a pen to add revenue. So you need to show them how you add revenue to their business. And now their business is dependent on that new revenue that you're adding. So selling to a sales organization, to a channel partner, is a lot more difficult. And when you do that, they need to see the value in it. And every partner you sign is actually looking at this as a way to drive revenue. But if they don't drive that revenue right away, they're going to go somewhere else. When you sign them, you thought they could do it. But what they need is attention. And what they need is engagement. And the sales reps are going to drive that. If a sales rep decides to sell your pen, that's great. But suppose they decide to sell something else, anything else, they're no longer paying attention to you. 
But that doesn't make them a bad partner. Well, maybe to you a bad partner, but what you need to do is engage them to make them a good partner. So that partner so, wouldn't be in existence if they weren't didn't know how to sell. Yeah. So so what I'm hearing there, Richard, is, is that that training and product knowledge is a key component because I think you know sometimes in the in the past what I've seen is a lot of people go oh, I'm just going to bring all these people on I'm going to give them a, a PDF and say there's my product here's my features and benefits go and sell it because you know the market and I think you'd be a great partner but I think things have changed haven't they because you've really got to engage the the, the, the sales force the channel for channel sales force and you've got to teach them and educate them and keep them informed as the product develops and the markets developed is that is that right yeah that's absolutely right i i should i'd have a little debate about whether things have changed i think this is this has always been the case i don't know that uh look i i, I started my career in the channel i, I worked for at&t when uh, just after they divested um you know i was responsible for signing resellers and i i I was like everybody else. I worked with the resellers that I thought were easiest to work with that could help me make my number. Um, I didn't work the hard, difficult resellers because it was hard. Um, but if I took the time to work the hard resellers, I probably would have made a lot more money. Um, so from that standpoint, I don't know that things have changed. The tools, they've changed. Uh, the, 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 the communication component, absolutely that's changed. But at the end of the day, we're still trying to get people to sell our product. Just how do we do it um, now with all the tools that are available to us? And quite frankly, the distractions. I mean, uh, since we've been on this call, I've, I've just received four or five different notes across my screen that people want to talk to me. Uh, you know, I could have hit mute on my phone back in the 80s um, and never knew how many people have reached out to me. It's just that's the world we live in. Uh, but that's the shiny object I talked about. That, the sales, there's lots of distractions uh, between collaboration and communication tools like Teams, and LinkedIn, and, uh, uh, and the cell phone. All of these tools are distractions. It's our job as salespeople to focus um, and to, 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 be, to, to focus on our, our customers. Well, if you are selling through the channel, how are you making sure those salespeople are focused on the customers selling your product? Because... Like I said, I just saw four or five emails go across and I could have been another vendor, right? Hey, we have a new deal or a new product. There's constantly a gravity pulling away from your, uh, pulling on your channel to sell something else. You're absolutely right. And and uh, yeah, you, I stand corrected. You're right. It hasn't changed. I remember putting together product boxes, you know, to send to the, the you know, to say, here is here is a, a nice gift for you, and here are all the different things inside the box, etc. And by the way, here's a little branded gidget sort of thing. Now we've got your online platform that you have that allows to deliver that seamlessly, um, yeah. which uh, which is so much more frictionless. So uh, yeah, we can't take we can't take everybody out for a beer as much as we want to be able to do that. Yep. We just can't. So how do you? What's the new way to, to address that? Right. Because back in the day, that's what you do. Hey, let's get together for a drink afterwards. Well, just everything's virtual. The world is as small as my screen. Uh, but yet I still now, and then my, my quota is way more now than it would have been. So how do I address all of that with more tools yet less time? Yeah, exactly. So the last time we talked, I mean, we talked about, you know, how do you motivate a salesperson with an incentive, et cetera? How do you get them engaged uh, and all that? But 
how do you identify what motivates um you know a salesperson i mean we talked about cash uh, and all that thing and then lifestyle type rewards but how do you identify that when you're putting the plan together well so the, I, w- I would say the first thing that we use is our experience um so we have uh, uh, a number a, a wide variety of people that work at channel assist in a wide variety of industries so that's where we start um, we have a wide variety of customers as well, and they all differ. So we have clients that sell through retail uh, outlets, and we have clients that sell high-end expensive products. And they all have different demands, and they all make different salaries. So the first thing I would draw upon is experience. The second thing, let's face it, experience is good, but it inevitably fails and is unprovable. The second thing is data. What kind of data do you have that supports activity? So Data can be based on a wide number of factors. First in what is it you're asking them to sell? So what's the, what's the, the typical income of a person that sells your product? You know, uh, is $5 gonna make a difference in their day or is $100 gonna make a difference today? What's gonna change what, how they act? What is going to, you know, they have a process they go through. What's gonna change that? Is it $5 or $100? Well, look, you don't wanna spend $100 every time. So maybe it is only $5. Um, it will get someone's actions to change. So that's another way. You use data. Uh, what do the people make? Where are they located? Um, in North America, our sales process, well, it's capitalism, right? It's give a buck and someone will do something for you. But that's different in other parts of the world. In other parts of the world, you're not allowed to do that. So it's much more social. It's much more interactive. So you have to decide where are they in the world? But in different parts of the world, there's also different cultures. So you can't assume that because someone's in Spain, that they conform to the Spain way, Spanish way of selling. So those are all components you have to take into account. But then what you have to see is, well, what works? You have to do a little bit of trial and error. So based on what you know, you have to take advantage of some trial and error. But then finally, you have to segment, you have to personalize. So what groups do these people fall into? What kind of products do they sell that are yours. So some of our clients sell PCs, but they also sell printers. And those salespeople act differently. What turns them on? Um, what a pers- How a person sells in California is different than how a person sells in, say, New York. So how do you target those particulars? Well, you personalize it. You deliver content that keeps them interested. And you trial and error. You see what they've read and what they haven't read. Um, all of that data will help you build and evolve a program that fits Carl and anybody like Carl. Well, and I don't know that there's a lot of people like Carl. So <laughs> you have to segment to say what common characteristics does that group have that are similar to Carl's. So though all of those components go into delivering a program that meets the needs. And you could have these different segments or you could have a thousand different segments. The key is to deliver to each of those so they each feel engaged. I, I think that's uh, that's a, that's really good advice because at the end of the day, um, and of course I'd never say it's bad advice because you're my friend. Uh, but it's, uh, no, it, it. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, being we, we've all learned in through marketing uh, interactions, engagements, etc. If you're relevant, then you'll get more 
um, eyeball time and ear time. You know, people will listen and, sit and and actually watch what you're doing. So being relevant is is crucial. So your platform, you know, allows that to to serve up those diverse types of of, of, of rewards. And I, I I've saw, I saw it. I've seen it several times now. And uh, you know, it's a, you're able to you know track you know, what that individual is starting to interact with so that you can mold that. And, and, and so I think that's that's a really, really smart way of doing it because at the end of the day, if we've just talked about, if you want to get to those people that are going to be selling your your product, your solution as such um, on a more regular basis and consistent basis, you need to be able to engage with them. So, so, so tell me, you know, what, what are the things that a company should be looking for to start planning all the things that you just said, you know, a, a, a very, very, um, you know, common sense in a lot of cases. And, and if you if you're not experienced, you don't think about them as such. But it's also quite daunting, you know, to think, oh, I've got to think about all this thing. That's why you hire a team at Channel Assist to, to do that. But what should somebody be thinking about when they're planning that they're leveling the playing field type uh, program out? You know, it's, it's a great question. So we're actually in conversations with a number of prospects, global prospects, big brands. Everybody would know these brands. They currently run incentive programs. And when they sit down with us, they are blown away by the questions we ask. They, 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 these are companies that run programs, our competitors' programs, and they are amazed. In fact, in a couple of cases, they haven't even talked to anybody else because they figure we know their business so well because we ask them so many great questions. Listen, the people listening to this know that the way to tell how someone knows about your business is through the questions they ask. No one wants to listen to someone pontificate about what you do because that's boring. Everybody wants to hear about themselves at the end of the day. So if the questions you ask as a salesperson, that tells the person you're asking those questions to about how well you know their business. And so the key here is, is every one of you needs to ask this one question. Why should someone sell my product? Now, I've asked these questions of hundreds of senior executives in sales organizations, and I've yet to get the answer that they should be giving. Now, that could just be my perspective, but typically they all answer with, great product, great service, uh, top-notch product, great brand, blah, 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 blah. And I can respond with excellent. And you know what? Those are great things. But you just describe why someone should buy your product, not why someone should sell your product. You just described what's in it for the consumer. I asked you what's in it for the sales rep. And without the ability to answer what's in it for the sales rep, Oh, why would they sell your product? Look, sales reps don't want to sell the best product. Sales reps want to sell a product that meets their customers' needs. So, I, you know, as good as your product is and as good as your service is, they're only going to be the best for a limited period of time. And then the competition is going to pass you and then you're going to pass them and back and forth and back and forth. But if you want to engage a sales rep, you need to sell a quality product that meets their customers' needs. And quite frankly, you'll be out of business long soon enough if you don't do that already, which I expect all of you to do. But you need to answer the question a sales rep may not be asking directly, but in the back of their head, we all think of what's in this for me. So 
I've got four products to choose. They're all good products. They're all going to meet my customers' needs. Which one should I sell? Well, what's in it for me? Well, you know what? This product over here, product A, I'm not going to have to deal with the customer a lot because you know what? There's not a lot of service questions. So I could set it and forget it. Product D, there's a little more questions. But at the end of the day, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. But if you give them a reason to sell your product, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm not just talking about incentives. Give them a reason. Make them better trained. Make them more confident in selling your product. So they naturally lean towards your product. Their customers will see their confidence level in that product over all other products because they'll be able to answer way better, way more effectively than they would in other products. And it's not just about features and benefits. It's all about objection handling, how to handle customer inquiries, identifying the opportunity. But it's also nice if you can put a nice if you can put a little cash in their pocket. That's how you have to think. You have to think of, if you want someone to think about you, the question is, why should they sell my product? If you can answer that question, you're off to the races. Well, I, tell, I, tell, you, I, tell, I tell you what, um, I tell you what, the, uh, uh, you just opened my eyes and, and a realization of what happens to, to us, to me here at, at Business Class News, you know. You know, we, we, we have various things that we, we have opportunities because we have lots of, you know, different opportunities that come across the desk. But I choose the one that identi- outlines and says, okay, here are the reasons why you need to talk to me, why you need to engage with me, etc. Whereas others just come and say, hey, this is, this is great and you need to talk to me. And it's like, you know what? That's that's too much hard work. I've got to figure out why it is. I'm going to go with this guy who just put it out all in one in a in a in a in a sort of nice comprehensive way. And it's the same with sales and and products. If you allow, if you educate somebody, as you say, and I think you said a key thing there, if you make them feel comfortable, um, the customer of that salesperson will know that you know the product. You're not just sort of reading it off a cheat sheet, et cetera. You're passionate about it because you've given them the information. And that is so, so key, especially today in this competitive world we're in. Go to a, go to a, go to a, a, a block, I'm not, I was going to say blockbuster. <laughs> go to Best Buy, all right, and look at TVs. Um, so, you know, the last time I bought a TV, I was looking at, you know, I know the name brands, I've seen the commercials. But I ask someone, hey, what's the difference between this TV and that TV? And I can tell already what their bias is. It takes me 30 seconds to know what their bias is. So what's what's a bias? Does a bias mean they like that product better? No. A bias means they know that product better. So that's the product they gravitate towards. Our business was started by uh, my boss, the CEO of the company, Dave Ald. Um, He worked at a channel in the channel. IBM and Compaq, those that remember Compaq, uh, used to he used to sell their product. IBM would show up, throw a bunch of literature on the table, and 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 you know, and every once in a while take them out for beers. Compaq would say, "Hey, tell you what, we're going to do a four o'clock session. We'll bring in some pizza. We're going to train you, and then we're going to take you out for beers." And that resonated with Dave. Every, Dave didn't sell direct, but one day a guy came into the office in the, the from this building, and he said, "Look, I need I need about fifty PCs. What can you recommend?" And he didn't sell direct. What do you think he gravitated towards? He knew compact. And so he asked the guy afterwards, well, you know, he thought he positioned them both equally. And the guy afterwards said, I bought the compact because you could speak much more clearly about its value proposition than the idea. Right. 
He didn't think he did that, but in looking back, he did. And he realized what it was. And it's, you're not providing training. You're providing confidence. Yep. You are changing salespeople people's behavior by providing them training and don't provide them feature benefit training. I mean, that's nice. Provide them, identify how to handle an objection, identify, show them how to identify an opportunity. When someone asks the question, these are the keywords you'll hear. And that's our product solves those problems. Make it real sales training. The sales training you provide your direct sales force instill confidence now, how do you get them to do that up front? Well, you may have to pay them a couple of dollars or a couple of yen or whatever it might be to take the training. But once they've taken the training, they're on the path to engagement. Now they're starting to get engaged. They're not engaged yet. It takes a lot more and you have to do it on a regular basis. Don't just set it and think it, you can forget it. You have to constantly communicate. There's a lot of ways to do that. But get them to take the training love it well that reminds me of my old my old radio training a repetition builds reputation and um, and consistency and all of that good stuff well richard i'm afraid we come to the end of the segment but as always i mean you're going to be back on again because we've got a plethora of topics we're going to be covering but thank you for joining me this morning great topic and uh, great advice for everybody out there so again you know thanks a lot and, and, and be safe out there Again, Carl, it's, it's always my pleasure, and I look forward to talking soon. Fantastic. That was, of course, Richard Stevens of uh, Channel Assist. He's the president over there. And, and as always, you know, he had some great information there and, and great tips there. But what I would say is if you are serious about, you know, putting a program that's going to work for you and yield results – then click on the, the link below this post because, you know, um, they've got so many experts over there. As you said, you know, expertise and experience, et cetera. Just pull on that experience. Have a chat with them and, and, and see what they can actually do for your business in, in making the needle shift to um, uh, sort, of, sort of maximize and accelerate those, those results that you're looking for. So as I always say on my show, go out there, have some fun. Um, make some money because we're all in business together aren't we um, and sort of uh, be safe out there especially in these times but um, as I said remember we've had a skip year so this is a refresh and we're all going to have a great year so be safe and see you next time bye-bye there we go fantastic thanks Carl as always great uh, great topic great uh, 